Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is episode number 145. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today we have Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing pretty good. Good. Yeah. That's good. That's good to hear. Let's get into it. Uh, this week on the show, we'll be reviewing Paul Thomas Anderson's latest, Inherent Vice. Oh, shit. The Edward Snowden documentary, Citizen 4. And the insanity that is our 100. <laughs> and of course, we'll also be going over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, and DVD and Blu ray releases. Remember, you can send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net or leave us a comment on the site. We'd love to hear from you. Before we get into our first review, uh, I thought I'd briefly go over the Sundance lineup because I think today marked, I think everything's been announced oh, as of now. A ton of premieres. A ton. And the competition categories look pretty good. What are you thinking? Um, there's there's a couple of things in here that I'm kind of excited for. Like the one that was announced today is the new Swanberg. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to that and one. And his wife's film is going to be in competition. Uh, yeah. What was the name of that? Unexpected. I just, I mean, what is Digging for Fire is Swanberg, Joe Swanberg's. Yeah. Jake Johnson, Rosemary DeWitt, mm-hmm. Orlando Bloom, Brie Larson, Sam Rockwell, Anna Kendrick. Man. Yeah. And that's the, who would have thought? That's the, first, uh, that's the first I heard of that one. And in fact, most of these are movies that I never even knew existed. So Now, there's one. My, the one that I'm most excited for, which is in the next program of Sundance, is the new Rick Alverson movie. Okay. With a screen screenplay from Rick Alverson, Greg Turkenton, and Tim Heidecker, with a cast of John C. Riley, Ty Sheridan, Michael Sarah, Amy Seismitz, and Greg Turkenton. <laughs> about a, a broken aging comedian playing a string of dead end shows in the Mojave Desert. God yes, please. Yeah. Uh sounds that one fantastic. sounds pretty amazing. I'm excited for Craig Zobel's latest, uh, Z for Zachariah. That's in competition this year. It seems interesting. I think it's based on a novel, if I'm not mistaken. Pretty much, I mean, they all sound really good. The I Stockholm, think, Pennsylvania one sounds good. Yeah. The and one that I find interesting is Andrew Bajowski's yes. movie, which <laughs> I just, I never thought that this would ever happen. You have Guy Pierce, <laughs> Anthony Michael Hall, Brooklyn Decker. Kevin Corrigan, Giovanni Ribisi, Kobe Smulders. What I mean, mis- mismatched personal trainers. What in the world is going on? Yeah, in the that... world of <laughs> indie film. Yeah, so you can check out the full lineup on the site, and I think it's in two different posts. Does, I don't know if my first post contains the midnight stuff. No, I don't it, think does, so. No, I don't think it does because they they released that separately. I don't see it on here. But. Chuck Norris versus communism is going to be there. We uh, interviewed. Oh yeah, we interviewed yeah. them. Forgot about that one. Yeah, I, I for some reason I thought that something happened with that, but I guess, guess it, they made it. It's good. Fantastic. So you can check out the lineups there. It sounds like it's going to be a, a good time. It's this year. This the festival is going to be running from January twenty second to February first. We won't be there, unfortunately, this year. Cause I'm Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Good uh, times. I'm getting ready to move, and it would just it was going to be a big problem. So, at any rate, 
it looks like a very exciting time. And I think the Slam Dance lineup has also been announced. So check that out. Don't don't ignore the Slam Dance people. They they put on a really good festival every year. So. All right. I was <clears> thinking we could just get get started with Inherent Vice. What do you think? Oh shit, we're not just gonna jump. I think we should save it for last. Save for last? All right. Yeah. I think we should. All right. Well, let's go ahead and start off with Citizen 4 then, and we'll All have right. we'll have R100 be the 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 cream <laughs> filling. Oh, that works in a couple of ways. Oh yeah, I just realized that. <laughs> Gross. So, Citizen 4 is directed by Laura Poitras. Sure. And it's a documentary about Edward Snowden. Now, the interesting thing about this is I had no idea that all I, of this stuff was being documented. I That's what I wanted to ask you, because me going into Citizen Four, I just thought, oh, it's a documentary about Edward Snowden, right. you know, the, the leaks and everything. I didn't realize that this is as it was happening. As it was happening. They were documenting this. So it's like the behind the scenes of history, which, which to me blew my mind. I was so into it. I was glued to the screen the entire time. I thought that this was such a fascinating portrait of this guy. And the fact that we basically see everything happening, and also the fact that they come out with this documentary so close to when this actually happened, uh, it made it even more interesting to see because the the whole the whole thing, the whole uh, him getting stuck in the airport and the leaks and all of that stuff, it's still fresh in our minds. Yeah. So when they come out with this documentary and you basically get to see it all happen in essentially real time, I just thought it was amazing. That's one of the things that kind of me not like watching trailers or really reading up on movies before seeing them. This was kind of a detriment because as i said i was thinking that it was just a documentary about the leaks and everything so I wasn't that interested because you know it's kind of fresh in our right. minds you know i know what happened yeah do so I you really need it was to... more like the julian assange documentary yeah, i was just like secrets yeah like do i really need to see this like i can just look all this stuff up on the internet mm-hmm. but i'm glad that i had to watch it because in the first few moments you realize like oh shit this yeah. is their document while it was happening. Why didn't anyone tell me that? Yeah. <laughs> it's nuts, dude. And I, I was just so blown away because this doesn't feel like a documentary. It feels like you're watching a fictional story. I mean, it's crazy, especially how a lot of times they have to they, they have to write notes to each other because they're worried they're being recorded and I mean, no, they're not worried. They know. Well, no, they know they are. Yeah. <laughs> and how just I was just blown away by the whole thing. And and I think that a lot of it has to do with how how the movie itself is presented and how it was made, because it's not a straightforward uh, documentary like a, it's not like a straightforward cinema verite style documentary or anything like that. Um, the, the just the music and how uh, she would put up the the different notes that they would write to each other and stuff. It was just so well made. It was very well. I mean, she crafted a thriller. Yeah. Like, this is as good as any fictional thriller yeah. that you've yeah. seen. I, I mean, mean they just ratchet up the tension, you know, the little interludes where it's just like the static shots of the different 
surveillance areas, you know, mm-hmm. the one that they're building in Utah and everything. It's just, oh, it's, it's kind of has this sinister effect to it. Yeah. Especially because you're using the Nine Inch Nails music or mm-hmm. the Reznor and Ross music, which just adds to it. And for me, like I said, I was kind of worried because I thought it was just going to be about the leaks. And I'm, you know, do, do I really need to see this? What do I, does it need to be in documentary form? Like, do, you know what I mean? Do I have right. to see a talking head documentary about the leaks? I, I can read all that stuff. But as soon as I found out what it was in the first few moments there, I got immediately excited because that's what I was hoping for. I yeah. wanted to see a sort of a portrait of Snowden himself, just him during this time and how he's reacting to everything. And like, what type of person is he? And that's what I thought was extremely interesting. Right. Because, and there's so many times where he's talking about, you know, and you have the added bonus of, you know, how everything plays out. Yeah. So, you know, (laughs) you know how it's going to go. And all of his worries in the, in the moments leading up to when they start publishing stories and stuff like that. And how he's like, I don't want my name out there because I don't want it to to distract from the stories. And it's just like, oh, poor guy. Well, it doesn't he, matter how long you wait. It's going to, you know, it's going to, I know your intentions are good and you, he can't really help it. There's nothing he can do. But he knew it was going to happen too. Yeah, he, he, he did. Said it, he, he said it was only going to be a matter of time. In fact, he predicted pretty much the outcome of, of it, which was so interesting that he knew how all this was going to play out. So he got everything lined up. You know, he was the one that contacted the Guardian and, and this filmmaker and so he he pretty much knew how it was going to play out. He knew it was only a matter of time before his name uh, was found out and, and broadcast everywhere. I think that his main concern, like you said, was getting the information out first and having the focus be on the information, then the inevitable uh, witch hunt for him. Yeah, which is unfortunate because, I mean, if you truly think about it, a lot of people just forgot they were just like oh man that's messed up yeah and then just went on with their lives yeah and it's like this guy sacrificed so much i think that maybe the at least right now maybe the impact of it is not exactly evident Uh, i think that there was probably a lot of behind the scenes stuff that was taking place that we may may not necessarily know about just yet you know as far as transparency and stuff like that well, I mean, it's nothing's going to change, which is unfortunate. But maybe not, there's but, just there's entirely too much money invested in what they're doing. There's nothing's going to change. But it also there's there's two other points that I wanted to make. First, I I thought that this really humanized him because well, we, yeah, I'm glad you say that. We we know we knew his name. Everybody knows his name. You know Edward Snowden, and I think a lot of people look at him or maybe thought of him as a, a traitor or a turncoat, you know, but once you get to know him from this documentary, you're just like, man, he, he's just a guy, you know? He's which, just yeah. A- it, which is what I loved about this documentary. That's what I was interested in. And it, it really delivered. Cause I love the fact that, you know, they're asking him some questions about, you know, are you worried before this is before his name comes out? And he's like, you know, you know I'm not worried. You know, I just want to get, the the information out there i want these stories out there and this and that and he looks calm and collected Mm -hmm. he's completely on top of things but you do see him just completely drop when the name when his name does come out 
and he starts getting a hassle and you know and they're calling and calling and right. calling. Yeah. And you know, they're everything's happening. And you just see him he is worried. And he's not he doesn't really know what he's doing, especially I love the sequence where he's like trying to change his appearance. You know, he puts his contacts in instead of his glasses. Mm-hmm. And he's even asking the documentarian, like, should I shave it like all off or leave some stubble? Like what's gonna work? You know, he's asking her for tips. Yeah. Like <laughs> and then he's, you know, trying to do his hair and he can't get it right. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, this poor guy. And he has the umbrella too. <laughs> yeah. And he's trying to, you know, decide like what to take and can he fit it in bags? Because he knows now that at any moment he's just gotta leave. Right. And and which is crazy to think too and the very beginning of this story, you know, I thought he had this more well planned out. But you do come to realize that it was, he got the stuff, he left a note like, I'm away on business, and then he just goes to Hong Kong. Yeah. And he's like, oh, shit. I gotta, I think, I, I think I gotta that, figure out a way to, to do all this. Yeah, I think that maybe, he probably wrestled with it a lot. You know, he probably, it doesn't seem like something that he just wanted to get it all out there. It seems like he really was... <clears throat> debating on whether or not he should release this information. And the other point I wanted to make was that, and other movies have, have talked about this too, that terms and conditions may apply, I think was the name of it, that documentary that we did the interview with the director on that. that that's basically about the same thing. But for people that aren't too familiar with all this NSA surveillance stuff, this is a frightening-ass documentary. It's, oh, yeah. It is very frightening. To, to just kind of see behind the curtain of what's going on. And uh, I also like that it it made sure to let you know that it's not that he was doing this to gain recognition or, or trying to go against his country or to gain fame or any of that stuff. He, he really put himself on the line. And at one point I was thinking to myself, like how, how conflicted he must've been about all this, because at one point, you know, he has, it's when he's talking to, he's talking to somebody about going to the UN when he was in Hong Kong mm-hmm. and he has like two bags and that's his life in those mm-hmm. two bags. Exactly. And I was thinking about what he must have been feeling, how he must have been feeling during that time where you don't have a country, you don't have a home, his, he was away from his girlfriend and he, he thought that his girlfriend was going to leave him and he didn't know what was going on with that. And they were together for what? seven years or something they said yeah and um it it just made me feel like i feel so bad for this guy you know that that he was so compelled he he read this information and he truly thought that people need to know this this is such damning information that i need to get it out and to me it's it felt very selfless what he did well and i love how she sort of built into because i have seen you know when all this stuff came out and you know there was this huge debate with people like is he a traitor is he a patriot you know that whole debate argument that people were having and i like how she tied in the whole william beanie or Binney or whatever his name is how he was the nsa guy um right yeah and you know he went through he essentially did what snowden did but he went through the proper channels of, you know, like going through the government, like, hey, this, you guys shouldn't be doing this. Da, 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 da. And what happened to him? 
They completely yeah. shut him down. Yeah. They kicked in his door, guns blazing. And, and and people are like, well, why why didn't Snowden go through the right avenues? Like, why would you give it to? And it's like, that's why. That's why he didn't go through the right avenues. Because they're crooks. That's why he did it this way. So the public would actually see it. Yeah. And, I mean, he was very intelligent. I mean, he knew he knew exactly what to do as far as... I, I think that to have the foresight to call these specific journalists and get this whole thing set up, I think it was a really, really smart idea for him to do this. Cause, extremely risky. Oh, yeah. And, and he and, pulls but, it off. But that's the, that's the other thing. It was also risky for the journalists that were working oh, yeah. with him too you know they started getting followed and the and the whole I, I also like how they covered the fact that the the one the journalist from the guardian like his partner was detained and just, yeah, like just to hours. see what was going on like the reach that they had and the the lengths that they were willing to go through to try to track this guy down yeah it's just it's ridiculous it's mind-blowing it's yeah. just it is mind-blowing yeah it's fantastic. I mean, I thought it, I thought it got a little, little rocky towards the end, which is really not. It's not really her fault in terms of filmmaking because they just kind of lose contact with Snowden, right? And yeah. they're not able to get it back up and get the filming and stuff. So it's understandable, but it did, it did lose a little bit towards the end there. I thought, well, but I we... did, I did thoroughly enjoy the when he finally does come back into the fold with when he meets with uh. Glenn Greenwald and they go over some thing, you know, and he's writing it down on paper and, yeah. and just watching his reaction and stuff. That was awesome. I, I, I like that whole final scene with when they tore the paper up and stuff like that. I, I thought that that was done really well. But yeah, I do agree that once he kind of goes off the grid, she does kind of make up for it by including the, the news clips for, for people that may not remember exactly what happened when he was in Russia yeah. And all of that stuff. At least, at least the the missing pieces were kind. Of, she did try to put them in there. But yeah, that was for me. That's um, the whole getting to see just Edward Snowden as a person, just to see how he's sort of living his day to day, his bizarre day to day in Hong Kong. This <laughs> is what was really interesting Basically. to me. Like yeah. I didn't really need the leaks, and you know, I didn't really need that. I just wanted to see who he was. Yeah. Which I thought she did a really good job of. Yeah, I agree. And, and the other thing is she successfully makes a suspenseful and tension filled movie with basically it just amounts to them interviewing a guy in a hotel room, you know, <laughs> yeah. for, the, for the bulk of the movie. It's just <laughs> it's them great. talking to him. I know. And room. it's still, you know, like I said, I, I knew, you know, the stories that came out and stuff. I know how this is going to play out, but I'm still riveted. Because I, mean, I don't know the behind the scenes yeah, to it, yeah. the discussions before the stuff, and then the, like the little breaks where <laughs> Snowden goes on, like they, you know, all the leaks and stuff just goes on the back burner while Snowden, you know, teaches them like computer yeah, the, stuff, the email and the, the yeah, encrypting the emails <laughs> and the stuff like that. And at one point, he's even like, "Okay, you get this set up and come back to me." You know, he's teaching them how to encrypt everything and yeah. keep their files safe. Yeah, I, I thought this was just a brilliant documentary. I loved it. I I think it's a must-see. I think that it's 
probably my favorite documentary of the year. Well, it is. It is my favorite documentary of the year. So yeah, it was, it was quite a surprise. I was so happy. Yeah, I loved it. absolutely. And now I really want to seek out uh, other films from this director, Laura Poitras. Which is very interesting in how she sets it up that, you know, she's being tracked even she, before this. She, app, yeah, she was already being, being tracked. <laughs> because of her Iraq war documentaries. So which is even crazier that Snowden is able to make contact with her, safe contact with her, even though he know I'm sure he knew that she was being. Right. It's just, it's crazy. Shit's crazy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. There you have it. Citizen Four. I would highly recommend it. I'm going to give this movie a, um, I'll say a nine out of 10. Nine out of 10? I think in, I think in like a eight and a half. There you have it. This is playing in select cities now. Hopefully it'll be out in your area very soon. And I'm sure that this is, it's already on the Oscar shortlist, but I would be surprised if it didn't win. I think that this is probably the strongest contender for best documentary. I would hope it would win. It was just fantastic. Fantastic. Fan-fucking-tastic, Kevin. <laughs> Get jazzed up for some Citizen Four. Yeah. All right. Feel-good movie of the year. <laughs> Interviewing a guy in a hotel room. <laughs> well, it also, I mean... How long do you think it's going to be before they fictionalize this story? Uh, I think they already are, aren't they? Isn't uh, maybe. I think I read what uh, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt I think is supposed to play. Oh, really? Snowden. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I do you think it'll it. get like? Do you think it'll get like six or seven different ones, like Julian Assange? Oh, maybe I don't know. <laughs> My girlfriend suggested Edward Norton as Edward Snowden. I think that that'd be a better fit than Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, I think so, too. I don't know who I would pick. I wasn't thinking about that. Well, I, didn't I didn't really think about it either, but... All right, well, let's not think about it. Okay, we won't think about it. Let's ever. move on. Let's move on to the cream filling. Let's... <laughs> let's move on to R100. This is written and directed by Hitoshi Matsumo. Matsumoto, sorry. I have a synopsis here. An ordinary man with an ordinary life joins a mysterious club. The membership lasts for one year only, and there is one rule, no cancellation under any circumstance. The man enters into a whole new exciting world he never before experienced, where crazy love goes wilder and crazier. Is it an illusion, or is it real? Welcome, <laughs> welcome, <laughs> to, the wor- welcome to the world no one has dared to explore until now. Okay. So. That's a long one. Oh, it is a long one. <clears throat> I, I just love the tagline, M for father. <laughs> M for father. Uh, so let me let me give my own synopsis for this movie. I would like to hear it. Well, I'll, I'll do the beginning <laughs> of it. I'll give the broad strokes, and then we'll get into the details. So basically, it's about a, a man who his wife is... She's in a coma, I take it. They don't really... Uh, she's in a vegetative state yeah they I, think, don't, I think they even do say coma at one point i don't know if they say what happened to her if she was sick or if she was in an accident no i what. don't think they get into that i don't think they get into that but at any rate he's a he works at a department store sells mattresses he's taking care of his young son and i think he's just kind of lonely he's just kind of a lonely guy 
and he ends up getting signed up with this bondage club where they will show up at random times in random places and do things to humiliate him and that's kind of how he gets his rocks off he it induces a state of euphoria in him yes and it starts off innocent enough but it it gradually gets a it gets a little too close to home for him we'll say i think that'll work that's but good. but there's a lot of stuff that happens in this movie that <laughs> make it completely go off the rails. Now, I saw this at Sundance, and uh, there, there are a significant number of walkouts. What? And, are you sure? And there were an even more significant number of people going, what? <laughs> what? What was that? <laughs> so, we'll start with you, Kevin. What did you think of R100? I, have, I don't fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Oh no, man! I have no idea what the fuck is going on in this movie. When you think of when you it's think of just, crazy Japanese movies, this is this is even this is definitely one. This of is them. even weird for Japanese standards, kind of to a point. I mean, I'm with it for a good bit of the film. You know, I see what's going on. Okay, he's signing up for this S and M club or whatever. I guess it's you know the surprise is what gets him going and he has that weird like where the ripples come out from his head and his, <laughs> and his face, face gets deformed so i'm like and that's what i'm thinking okay he's lonely he just needs some excitement in his life it's something's missing and this is he's going to explore this like a little bit of a fetish that he has to hey, try let me let me break just out of it let me pause you right there for one second. So the first thing that happens is he gets kicked in the face. while Which was which awesome. was amazing. Uh, that was the way they start the movie. And and also, real, I'm like going sidetrack after sidetracked here. But I love how the title card comes up like 35 minutes into the movie too. <laughs> which is, yeah, which throws you for a loop because then it cuts out to this. You know, I guess they're producers or yeah. investors or whatever they are having their, like, what are those called? Not interludes, where they have breaks. intermission. Intermission. They go, <laughs> and they're just dumbfounded the first time. And at first, you're not quite, at you least don't I even wasn't. Know it yeah, I wasn't, wasn't quite the sure. The first time, don't they just not say anything at all? Yeah, they're just they just completely silent. Yeah, they don't really say much. I think you might say, like, one thing. So you're like, well, what? What the hell is this? What is this now? Well, then the movie starts back up, and everything just gets crazier and crazier. And then yeah. they cut back out to the guy, and I just love that they're pissed off yeah. when they come out for their second <laughs> intermission. These guys are just pissed at what they're watching. It doesn't make any sense to them, which I'm right there along with them. I don't understand what the hell's going on. Yeah, and I love how I lo also love how they point out the plot holes mm -hmm. because. <laughs> When I when I first saw this, I was like, "Well, that doesn't make any sense. How would like how would she know her voice and all that stuff?" And then they point it out. <laughs> it is so. There's a part of me that's like, "Okay, this is kind of like a like a Japanese version of Trans Europe Express." You know what it feels but, like? You know where they're like they're critiquing the film's being critiqued as you're watching it, right? So you can't really you can't complain about plot holes and stuff because yeah. they're part of the plot. <laughs> Exactly. So you're just like, wait, okay. It, it, this is like, and I don't know if I said this in my review. I wrote the review a long time ago, so I don't even remember what I wrote. But this to me is like a critic-proof movie because 
they themselves are criticizing the movie within the movie. Mm -hmm. And you're never really sure. And I don't know why. I don't know why they were, they would do that. Like essentially breaking away. So the way that I looked at it was, you know how sometimes in movies there's a scene where someone's watching a movie, but the movie they're watching is not real. Like it's just a fake movie they made. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To me, that's what this is. This is a movie within a movie that you're watching. Yes. Only you get to see the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, you only see like two or three intermissions where people get increasingly more pissed off by what they're watching. So to me, the actual movie was those intermissions and the, and the, cut, the, cut, the cutaways to the old man director. And, it's and, only like 22 minutes right. long. Yeah, it's a 22 minute long movie. <laughs> and I also like how they said at the end, the only way that you'll get this movie is if you're 100 years old. Then you'll understand it. <laughs> and I like also the response of the executives <laughs> with that statement. It's like, how many 100 year olds are there? <laughs> oh, God. Yes. Um, this, so this so is... Oof. Back to the actual movie itself. Which the, the one... movie within the movie, you mean? <laughs> yes, <laughs> the one with the S and M Club. Uh, um, it did make me laugh a good good number of times. the The entire the editing on the Queen of Saliva dance, whatever the fuck was going on there, yeah, that just had me busting up laughing. That reminded me of almost like a Tim and Eric thing or something. It, how it they, did feel how like, it was like on a loop sort of, and it just, the way it just that they kept going and they cut it to the music mm -hmm. and it was just her spitting pureed vegetables on his face, which is just disgusting. That was, yeah, that was a really gross scene. And, and the, the other thing that for some reason, the scene that really grossed me out was when the kid still had the ball gag on. Oh goodness. <laughs> and they were f tracking him by, his trail of slobber and they called him slobber boy <laughs> uh that's for me that's where it kind of went off the rails when it got into this hole where he tried to cancel mm -hmm. and they come after him and then yeah. like this, yeah. the ceo comes in which is another tim and eric moment where it just it just plays on a loop of her diving into the in, into the pool yeah <laughs> that was bizarre it's like seven eight times <laughs> Oh God! It's, okay, so if you can't tell, it's a pretty weird movie. But I, I, I wonder if that's you know maybe that's how the director gets his rocks off is by just confounding audiences and pissing them off, and that's maybe. like his S and M club where she just pops in and fucking confuses the shit out of you, makes you yell at your at the screen, and then he just gets a huge smile on his face like the old man director at the end. Well, this is the same guy that directed Big Man Japan. So if you, if you, any of you have seen that movie, it's that one's pretty weird too. Not this weird though. Not this weird. No, this is. And then the, I was not a fan of the. I was. I got pretty excited for the end. The whole showdown. Yeah, the big. With the I, I just I love S &M. how they have it. there's there's S and M ninjas, dude, and there's briefcases, grenades, the grenades, yeah. And you're like, oh shit! But it just. For me, it was repetitive. Oh it's my just god! Them, it just kept going just over on. and over. <laughs> grenades, <laughs> more grenades. Which it seemed like he threw a lot more grenades that was in that briefcase. Okay, there might have been layers. There might have been That's layers true. of grenades. There could have been layers of grenades. I forgot 
to mention the, the Queen of Gobbling. The Queen of Gobbling, yeah, she was something. <laughs> the first time that that shows up, you're just like, what the f- What? Well, my reaction was pretty much the same as the guy who walks into the room and sees how he just collapses and screams. And he's just horrified. The, the executive points that out too. It's like, what the hell is the Queen of Goblin? Can we? And the guy's like, well, we can cut that out. He's like, yeah, but there's more Goblin in the movie. It would ruin the continuity. Yep, and there was. There was, there was more, more Goblin. Yeah, there was more Goblin. And I was, I was curious to see, um, you know, what does her face look like when she's not Goblin? And I, they showed it to me. Yeah. They showed it to me. So. Yeah. Uh, my it's, goodness. I was a little I was a little disappointed in this movie because I like the premise a lot. I like the idea of uh, a man who is lonely and just and looking for something in his life and he he does this and he gets stuck and he can't get out and it's getting more dangerous. I like that whole concept. I think that it's a really interesting uh character study to to look at this person and what how they would react in this situation but it doesn't go there it it doesn't really delve into that at all no and fortunately and it to me that was disappointing but at the same time once you accept the fact that it's not that movie that it's just this batshit insanity that you there's just no way that you're gonna get what's happening here then i guess it's okay to to accept it (laughs) To me, like, you know, after a certain amount of time, you realize, okay, I don't think there's really a lot going on here outside of, like, surface level or whatever they're trying to, whatever he's trying to convey, I just, um, it's lost on me. Because yeah. I just, I, I, apparently I don't have the real world experience of whatever the hell he's trying to convey here. <laughs> so you're just going along with it. But in that sense, too, it's it's a bit too long and there's... Mm-hmm. There's not much happening at large stretches of time yeah. that really hold your interest, except for like he just tries to top the bizarreness, yeah, one after another, and it's just it gets a bit tiresome. Yeah, I, yeah, that's exactly how I looked at it. Because once you realize that it's that it's not what it sets out to initially do, then or, or, let me rephrase: once you realize that it's different than what you expected it to be then it, it it's easy to lose you at that point. Yeah. And for me, that's when it started losing me, once it really went off the rails and got completely insane. And I think that I probably realized that after the first interlude with the uh, executives. And I was like, what what is going on? Because they, they redo the title card mm-hmm. after yeah. everyone, too. And you're just like, what is going on here? I, I just... I think for me, I really when the when the other whoever I don't even know who this guy is that shows up at the to test oh, yeah. out mattresses. Yeah. When he shows up, it was just kind of just went downhill. Yeah. Because everything gets crazy, but you don't know why. You don't. I just everything's lost on me, and I just I don't know how the hell to critique this movie because I don't even know what the hell it is. Yeah. I don't know what it is. <laughs> It's just weird stuff being thrown at my face. That being said, I still recommend checking it out just because it is the only just reason, so weird. It's just so I, weird. I do not recommend it as like 
a good movie and you're no. going to enjoy yourself. I The only reason I recommend it is for selfish reasons. I want to know what the hell you thought and can you please explain it to me? Just I'm interested to see what you think because I don't know what the hell's going on here. I'm just so confused. Yeah. Slightly terrified. It's it's <laughs> there's a whole sequence where it's just an overweight woman spitting in a guy's face. Yeah. With is, with his son tied up in the background hanging. Yeah, <laughs> which is makes it even more disturbing. That poor kid. <laughs> I mean he didn't he he didn't sign up for any of this. But nah, you know Nah. They have it. R one hundred. I don't know if we said anything of substance. Well, it's. I don't know if you can though. I yeah, can. I, I, I don't know if you can. It's just it's a bizarre Japanese film. If you want to see a bizarre Japanese film, I'd say check it out. If you like Big Man Japan, this is d- way darker and sl- it's it's more bizarre, but in a different way. Whereas Big Man Japan was kind of goofy fun. This is kind of a dark bizarre that's kind of gross yeah in a lot of ways uh so if you like that maybe maybe like a cross between f- funky forest and and ichi the killer or something where it's there's bodily fluids <laughs> getting thrown around yeah sure is but they're not really spitting on him so that's not i mean it's all cg yeah which, so i was thankful for that which is really weird too yeah that makes it a bit weirder I don't know. And it's all kind of, you know, wrapped around uh, Beethoven's Ode to Joy. So it's classy. It's a classy, weird movie. Well, it is shot very well. I mean, it looks, I think it looks really good. I like a lot of the shots in this movie, but (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what to say. R100, that will be, I believe, in select cities and on demand this Friday. So check it out. Uh, score wise, what are you what are you thinking? I don't know, fucking teacup. I don't know teacup. Like what the fuck? Okay. Like how the fuck you rate this movie? I, I don't know. I was gonna. I was actually gonna give a fake rating too. But Jesus, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea what the hell's going on. I don't know what he's trying to do. Um, so this is just purely personal. Um entertainment or uh, you know how I felt about it how how much enjoyment I got out of it okay I'm getting enjoyment out of your struggle with, with, the, with this part I'm gonna say a four okay I'm gonna go by my original review score which was a five and a half okay so they have it r100 very weird I mean the only thing that I can really say with full backing is it happened it's not so it's not a movie that you'll forget anytime soon i kind of wish i could like certain aspects of it it stays with you it's it sure, definitely stays with you it sure does all right let's move on to our final review for the day we're talking inherent vice this is a biggie this is a oh, big daddy shit this is a big daddy written and directed by paul thomas anderson based on the Novel by Thomas Pinchon. I I have no idea how to pronounce his name. Okay. (laughs) I have a synopsis here. In 1970, drug-fueled Los Angeles detective Larry Dox 
Sbertello investigates the disappearance of a former girlfriend. Uh, this stars a ridiculous number of people, including Joaquin Phoenix, Josh Brolin, Benicio Del Toro, Reese Witherspoon, Jenna Malone, uh, Owen Wilson, uh, Eric Roberts, Martin Short, Michael Kenneth Williams, Maya Rudolph. Uh, those are me. Catherine, Catherine Waterston. Catherine Waterston. So, when I was watching this, I was, as usual, thinking about how you were going to perceive this movie. So, <laughs> so it's, that's all you think of when That's you all watch. I think about. That's all I think about. God damn, I wonder what, what, what Kevin's What's thinking? Kevin going to think about this? How's he going to feel about this voiceover? Hmm. <laughs> and I'll, I'll say right off the bat that this is the kind of movie that I'm all about. It's, oh, it's, I know. It's an L.A. noir. You are hard-boiled all, detective story. You are all about this. I, I was all about this movie, and after I saw it, now I'm two days removed. I'm actually kind of glad that we recorded this a little bit later, uh, a day later than usual, because I've had some time to think about it. Okay. Because I, I don't feel like this is a movie that you can leave the theater and be like, "I loved it," or "I." hated it you know what i mean it's it's the kind of movie that you really need to process it or at least i felt that way yeah because it's pretty long it's like two and a half hours long and it's such a sprawling story i mean there's so many characters and there's people coming and going out of of joaquin phoenix's life and all of these little plot threads that are connected in some very minuscule way uh that it's a tough I think it's a tough movie to follow and it it almost demands a rewatch really I I think that I'm going to have to see it again to really fully grasp <clears throat> all of the different connections and things mm-hmm. uh but overall overall yes I did like it quite a bit I could have done without a lot of the kind of existential narration that was happening because I didn't particularly like her that character uh, which 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 one the the narrator oh the Joanna Newsom yeah didn't didn't wasn't into that really uh but for the most part overall yes I did like the movie quite a bit and I think that well let, let's get your thoughts and then we'll get into it in more detail I was gonna say kind of Bogart sorry shit. sorry Bogart it man um voiceover mm, wasn't a big fan of voiceover as you can imagine uh I mean I know what it I know why it's being used. Right. Of course, it makes sense. I just there was a couple of times where I just thought they were a bit too cute with it, with sort of her reacting to the situations and stuff. Um, and for me, I thought that there was going to be more substance to this film. I don't know why I thought that. And I, you know, I'm sort of on the edge of my seat while this mystery's playing out and things just keep getting added to it, and added to it, and added to it, and you keep getting sidetracked from the actual like original mystery right. and then finally when it once it comes together you're just like oh okay this was just kind of like a fun movie there's not it's not like a big reveal or anything it's just everything sort of worked together and it was a very fairly simple plot yeah and it's just it's just a fun time man with a shit ton of drugs <laughs> I, drug, I, drug-fueled fun in a lot of ways i think this reminded me of Big Lebowski. It reminded me a lot of Big Lebowski. Whereas that was kind of the Coen Brothers comedy movie. It felt like this to me was Paul Thomas Anderson's lighter 
offered. This to me, this movie was fucking hilarious. <laughs> I thought this movie was just there were flat out funny. There were some scenes that just had me rolling. Uh, just there's a scene in the trailer, so I'm not giving anything major away, and and. I am keeping in mind that this movie's not out yet, so I'm going to really try to be careful about not revealing too much of what happens in the plot. Uh, but there is a scene in the trailer where he gets hit with the baseball bat oh towards my the beginning. God. <laughs> How he swings on the way down. <laughs> he spins around and swings. Oh, my God. That whole, just that whole sequence where, you know, they're, they give him the menu of what they provide there <laughs> yeah. and it's sort of his understanding was that <laughs> he got to but it turns out it doesn't <laughs> just the way the way joaquin phoenix reacts to everything oh my god in this movie when he's shown a picture of a child that has that, development that problems was, that was the other uh thing note i have here of things to mention that really made me laugh was uh <laughs> that scene when he screamed <laughs> At the picture of the kid. Uh, there's the small segment where he's just doing nitrous. He's mm -hmm. just... His office is in a doctor's office. Well, yeah, that that was funny too. I, I like the fact that his his office was in a doctor's office. Just the way he reacts to everything is just fantastic. Especially the end. Um, the sequence involving Josh Brolin and the marijuana. And mm -hmm. just Joaquin yeah. Phoenix, the look on his face, the noises he makes, mm -hmm. these these little noises that eek out of his mouth, it's just oh god. I thought I could uh, just I could have watched his character all day. I thought I, he was fantastic. He it, is he unbelievable. Was, he was so funny in this movie. The subtle things, because you know he plays a pothead, yes, but he's not an over-the-top Cheech and Chong type. Yeah. He's this kind of... He has his wits about. Yeah, he's just kind of mellow. But at the <clears> same time, he is a PI. So that's that's where this big plot comes in. He gets a job from his ex-girlfriend. Then he gets another job. Then he gets another job. And he's working all these cases at once that are starting to converge. And it's not like he's a bad detective, really. No, he's actually pretty smart. Yeah, I mean he he starts putting it together pretty quickly. But, but he also, he, but I also like that because of him being a pothead, and all these coincidences are happening all at the same time. You know, people are visiting that he's never seen before, and they're talking about people that is with the original case. So then those people are connected to the original case, and then he finds out, you know, and everything's sort of coming together, and he is starting to wonder like is he yeah you know is, is he, he hallucinating, hallucinating? <laughs> is he just and, paranoid which is one of the funny things throughout the throughout the movie as he's interviewing people he's writing down notes on his notepad and his and notes half, are so and half stupid the, half the time they show his notepad it's the funniest thing ever especially when uh jenna malone says you know they're building this this uh, apartment complex out in the desert and this is the name of it and it's spanish and what does it mean and you, you just see him writes down something spanish yeah. that's how he writes in his new book uh i i know that <laughs> i i didn't want to do this but I, I there's certain parts that i just have to mention to you that i thought were really funny there's a there's a little scene where he he 
is he's setting up an interview with somebody to meet with somebody and he asks them what he should wear and the guy's like uh, jacket and tie would be preferable and then they cut to him and he's wearing this like indian necklace is sitting there at the at the table I thought, his outfit was so funny to me oh uh, there, there's a lot of just small stuff like that um i the his meetup towards the end where he's you know they're he's meeting with someone about some some heroin and they're meeting in this classy place and he's sort of upset the the guy that he's meeting with is upset about what another person has done to his daughter and Joaquin Phoenix sort of point, points out like, oh, well, she's a legal age, you know. And the thing that the guy's upset about is the fact that during these sexual escapades, the guy plays Broadway. <laughs> like, that's what pisses him off. And the other thing is that the cheap wallpaper and the hotels that he takes his daughter to is what really, it's none of the sex stuff that happens with his daughter. It's just that he's not classy about it. And it really pisses them off. Um, I like most Paul Thomas Anderson movies. I love the cinematography in this movie. It was uh, <laughs> Robert Ellswit that did the cinematography. Uh, there were a couple scenes that just really stuck out for some reason. And, and the ones that always stick out to me are the just small, random little ones. Uh, there was one I guess was pretty big. It was... Uh, it's just the static shot of when Joaquin Phoenix was handcuffed to a pipe. Oh yeah, how and I was, was in the, the other. Outside. Yeah, it was in the other room, and just that whole sequence, how how that whole thing played out, I thought was awesome. That was and fantastic. There was another, just a quick cut. Uh, there was a quick scene where it cuts to him sitting in it in his house at a kitchen table, and there's piles of drugs everywhere and just the way that that was framed and the way that it looked was so funny to me because it's like he didn't want these drugs in the first place and he's had all these drugs everywhere and it just looked so funny and i think that the cinematography of this movie just really aided in the comedy i i thoroughly enjoyed the the opening sequence with him at the the massage palace or i can't remember what the the actual place was called like the actual name of it but just the the flag streamers and how they were casting shadows and when he wakes up and there's just that shot of all yeah. the cop cars yeah when he gets up from the ground i just i thought that was fantastic yeah there was if you're into noir this is definitely one to check out because oh this is just it's right up there for me and i just it's so it just keeps laying it on you know what I mean? It starts mm-hmm. off with the first mission job, whatever you want to call it, and it just keeps getting stuff added to it and added to it and added to it. And it's just the way that it plays out and it all comes together. It's just it's so much fun. And yeah. just watching Joaquin Phoenix interact with everyone in this movie. And, yeah, and that's the that's the other thing is the cast of characters in this movie huge cast of characters and each one of them have their own distinct personality and they they all have these weird quirks about him like his relationship with uh reese witherspoon like what a she what just kind of comes in out of nowhere and you're like how does he know her is he in some sort of physical relationship with her what is, what is her deal and then we have martin short <laughs> this crazy dentist and then you have a josh brolin who's this actor slash cop and it's just I mean, the list goes on and on. Well, Owen I think Wilson too. Well, that's what I like about it too. Is like the Josh Brolin thing. Like, is 
is he really is he an actor is that what's going on or is that was he just was joaquin phoenix just seeing him in the tv because he's so doped up uh well he did he does mention that he has a sag card so i think okay okay so i think maybe he really was i got gotcha, you gotcha. although I do, that, that, I do remember that now yeah part of that scene was a hallucination but i think that he really was an actor. i love the i love the fact that he just keeps running into owen wilson everywhere yeah <laughs> he's just everywhere man martin short coked up like i mean come on and just that scene, it, that, it, scene was, it, it, that scene when he first meets martin short i thought was hilarious and so. i just love his his helper or his right hand man or whatever the guy that can't drive <laughs> just when he shows up and he said he said there's a really funny line when he gets out of the car and the guy says he's gonna go around the block and he i think he says something like ah oh, what was it oh he says he says do you remember he's like you remember that this is it's a manual it's not an automatic and he's like ah yeah i know and then when he comes in with this he's like is that my steering wheel and he's like yeah i I can't drive but the way he says it he says like it's a manual and such just like oh god just the dialogue in this movie is is brilliant just which which okay we're making it out to be this huge comedy which it is but it's a very subtle comedy it's very subtle I, i don't yeah if I but made it out to be this kind of madcap, crazy spoof just, or something, it's not. It's it's very subdued. It's just one of those things because I I figured that you were the same way. It's our type of comedy where it's just it's the little things. It's yeah. just little subtle, you know, the look on Joaquin Phoenix's face, just where he you know he screws his face up just in a response to and the the little noises that come out of his mouth and the fact that most of the time he's just putting his hand over his face just in the oh my god what the fuck is going on (laughs) he's just so stressed out but there are a number of sequences that um you know these the type of uh god damn it speeches yeah speech i can't think of the word speeches the way that those play out like the one between him and owen wilson uh the one between him and katherine waterston just the way that he's able to draw that out and make them so engaging it's just i don't know if anyone else does it as well as he does yeah this this movie really makes me want to seek out the novel i I really want to read the novel now to see how it compares and just i've i've only read one pension novel and i wasn't that big of a fan maybe i'll read this one this one sounds like it'd be right up my alley And, and from what i read uh, Paul Thomas Anderson really wanted to stick with the source material for this. So now the only thing that I kind of noticed, well, I don't know anything about the books. So I don't know if he added this, but I'm pretty sure that he did. But there was a lot of uh, religious themes once again in this movie. Yeah, with the whole the the entire ending with Josh Brolin, uh, the fact that everyone, including Joaquin Phoenix, is constantly pointing out how his feet are so dirty and his feet need washed. Uh, Joanna Newsom's name. There's a couple other things. Oh, the Owen Wilson, where he, when they get that shot of him, it's set up like the the Last Supper. Oh yeah. It's just there's a lot of stuff in there that is the reason I want to go back and rewatch it is to try and pick up on that thread throughout the movie. Yeah. Because at first you're just you're so invested into how this plot's unfolding, and because there's so many things going on, there's so many characters, and how do they play in, and you sort of lose that. 
So I want to go back and see what that thread's all about. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see this again. Just the, yeah, the rewatchability on this movie is high. Yeah, definitely. Because I think it's one of those movies where every time you see it, you'll pick up a little bit more because there's just so much happening in this. Just so many different areas that it that it covers. And again, I will say the only the only part that I could have done without was kind of the you know more. Uh, I don't know the narration, basic, basically all the narration. I just could have done without all of that stuff. But see, now I got to go back and listen to that narration just to, because I'm sure there's stuff in there. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's. I mean, I think I I, I think that the narration is probably the some of the deepest stuff in yeah. the in the movie. That's that's the meatiest stuff. The rest of it's all pretty surface level. You know, just yeah, story straightforward. It's just craziness, but it is straightforward. Like once you get to the end of it, you're like, oh well, yeah, that plot wasn't that complicated, right? Yeah, it, like, it, it all it, comes together. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I don't know. I I think a movie like L.A. Confidential is the way that that plot it, it's kind of structured similarly with different threads and yeah, different different <laughs> cases converging and just I mean, throw- you even had. <laughs> Throw a lot more stoners into that movie. Right, right. <laughs> Dope I mean, fiends. like, the Kevin Spacey characters, like the Josh Brolin character, where he's he's a cop, but he's also kind of an actor that's, you know, trying to make it in Hollywood. Which I do. There's an exchange between Josh Brolin and uh, Joaquin Phoenix over the phone, and I love when Josh Brolin's wife takes over the conversation. Oh, my God. And just the way she treats. <laughs> <was> so funny. <laughs> I mean, I think I think we could probably sit here for the next half hour and just talk about different scenes of this movie that that made, made us laugh. I mean, it, there's just there's so much. <laughs> and again, I will draw comparisons to the Big Lebowski because the whole time I was watching it, I just I kept feeling like I was watching the Big Lebowski. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. And again, for me, the over the big takeaway from this movie once again is. Joaquin Phoenix. I could just like I didn't want the movie to end because I just wanted to keep seeing his character, this Doctor Sportello. I just wanted to see him in like every every kind of interaction. I, I want to see more cases. I want to see him work more cases. You know, exactly. I mean, I'm pretty sure P.T. Anderson would never do a sequel, but I I want to see more. I, I I do as well. I'm right there with you. All right. Any final thoughts on Inherent Vice? Mm. <laughs> I don't think so. Don't think so. Well, okay. I didn't say this, but I thought outside of Joaquin Phoenix, I thought Catherine Waterston was fantastic as well. I didn't. Which you didn't think so? No. <laughs> <laughs> Just I wasn't. I wasn't. Right. I wasn't right. grooving on her. All right. what I say whatever. I wasn't grooving on her. Fine. Fine. Let's, let's just leave it at that. She's not in it that much, I don't. But I thought the the scenes that she was in, she did a fantastic job. Yeah, I like Benicio del Toro in it. I I love the fact that he was a a maritime law, <laughs> maritime lawyer, <laughs> and I love the fact when he's first introduced, he's wearing the sailor hat. <laughs> oh boy, what a! What a oh, I want to I want to watch this again now. I want to watch this again, and I haven't done this in ages. But I would love to smoke some weed and watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a 
It's definitely one of those movies. But that, that was the other thing. There's a lot of hippie references in this movie because this this takes place in 1970, so the Vietnam's still happening and people still hate hippies. And, and he gets Josh, a lot of he gets a Josh, lot of shit for being a hippie throughout this movie. Josh Brolin really hates hippies. He really hates hippies, but he loves Japanese pancakes. He fucking wants them. Pancake. <laughs> <laughs> He wants them shits like yesterday. <laughs> oh God! Yes, go see this movie. Damn it! Uh, I- I'm gonna go ahead and apologize if we gave too much away. It's still fun as shit. Yeah. You, and I mean, we didn't link any of it together, so right. You're still not gonna know what the hell's going on until the end. Inherent Vice. Now, as far as the score on this, well, I want to ask you before we go into score, where where is this for you? P.T. Anderson-wise. Oh, that's a good question. Like, where does this fall for you? Now, I've been meaning to rewatch There Will Be Blood for a while, and I haven't gotten around to it. But when <laughs> I, I only saw that once in the theater. Mm-hmm. So, But I loved it. So I'm going to say I believe Magnolia is still number one for me. Okay. Okay. And I believe, oh, boy. God, this is really hard. Damn right it is. Because I still love me some Boogie Nights. Yeah, I know, right? Mm. All right. I'll say Magnolia, Boogie Nights, uh, There Will Be Blood, then Inherent Vice, then okay. The Master, okay. then then uh, Heart 8. Oh, what about, where's Punch Drunk Love? Now? Oh, yeah, Punch Drunk. Forgot. <laughs> That's the one that I always, that you forget, always forget All right. The Punch Drunk is above Heart 8. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. I This is something that I enjoyed is for P.T. Anderson-wise. Is like the last two movies here, The Master and There Will Be Blood. It was sort of like a like a one on one dynamic in the last two movies, where you know it was either Daniel yeah. Day Lewis and Paul Dano or Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman. And this is more of like a return back to the big ensemble, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I love when he does the ensemble movies. So I'm hoping that he's he's going to keep going with that further. Plus the fact that it's just it, it's so light and fun. Yeah, which I mean, Punch Drunk Love kind of was, and Boogie Nights kind of was, but was. this one it just really feels like loose yeah. and just fun. Which damn, he can do that too. So where where are you? What's your ranking as of now? <clears throat> this one's actually kind of low for me. I enjoyed it though, which is to say, there's not really a P.T. Anderson movie that I don't like. You know, going down through here, What's the only this? one that I can't really comment on because I can't really remember it as hearty yeah that's it's been why. forever <laughs> that's why it's just default <laughs> just, to the bottom for me i think i would default it to the bottom as well but i i, I don't even think i can rank these they're just all well you made me fantastic. rank them jesus and i know I, that's why i did it first i got in uh, but I, i'd also i'd also now say I can this just say pass i mean this ranks pretty low for me too what did i say like it was fourth or fifth on the list yeah but that is that isn't to say that this is a bad movie. No, 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 no. Okay, I'm gonna try and rank these bad boys here. I'm gonna go Magnolia, uh, Punch Drunk Love, There Will Be Blood, man, Boogie Nights, some bitch. This is hard. It's, it's like it's like ranking Wes Anderson. So kind hard. of, which which got easier with Grand Budapest. Um, I'm gonna say, oh man, The Master, then Inherent Vice. Uh, yeah, I guess Inherent Vice is pretty low. It's not that low for me, but yeah. it's pretty low for me. But whatever, it's still fucking good. Yeah, yeah. What a stupid question I asked. A stupid <laughs> question. Stupid fuck. 
God. Uh, I, I don't know what to score this either. <clears throat> I, I've been toiling over this for the last few days. I, I want to say like uh, eight and a half. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> God. I mean, I wish you, I wish you knew how, how heavy this is for me to, to give it a number. I'm going to say a, oh my God, eight. I'm going to go eight. Okay. That seems about right. That seems about right. I'll give me eight and a half, you eight. I was kind of like, actually, like right after watching it, I was like, this is a seven. Like I thought it was pretty fun. I enjoyed myself, but I was like, you know, it's kind of light. Well, that's what I was saying at the beginning of this review, that I'm glad that I had a couple days to sit with it because I actually like it more now than I did right after I watched it because honestly as I was watching it towards the final act I was like okay like for some reason the length was really starting to to weigh on me <laughs> uh, because I didn't know I didn't know how this was going to resolve and I didn't see the resolution coming and I and I had no idea where it was going and just by the end I mean I was just exhausted I was just like okay let's Wrap it up here. <laughs> I mean, I'm honestly, honestly, if there was anything that they, that he cut out of the book, I feel like he probably could have split this into two movies. P.T. Anderson doesn't do that. No, I know he wouldn't Bush, do that. But... Bushley shit. <laughs> Bushley would be splitting it into three movies. <laughs> okay. That's Bushley. <laughs> oh, my. There you have it. Inherent Vice, absolutely check this out. Now, it is screening in 70 millimeter in certain theaters. Well, I would God, highly I w- suggest. I wish I could fucking do that. Yeah. That'd be cool. I would highly suggest if it is screening in 70 millimeter in your area, go see it that way because it looks fantastic. Yes. So Great. definitely check it out. All right. Let's go ahead and talk about some predictions. Last week, we said... The pyramid. You said twenty-four. I said forty-one. Actual eight. <laughs> oh. oh wow! We gave it a two on the site. Two out nice. of ten. So, yeesh. Wild. You said seventy. I said seventy-two. Actual ninety-two. Wow. Now we did get we did get a screener for this, but it came today as of this recording. So yeah, good work, uh, Wild. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the award screeners are coming late this year, so. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. I'm not sure. And still, Alice, you said 70. I said 65, actual 87. Okay. All right. So that got some... Sure. Yeah. Why not? The Captive next week. What are you thinking on this one? The Adam Egoyan thriller. Mm. Oh. Supposedly it's pretty bad, so... Well, I'm going to say 40. 40? Okay. 40. I will say 35. Okay. And Exodus Gods and Kings. Oh, God. Ridley, Ridley Scott action. You know the number one thing I don't understand about that trailer? Like, when they're fighting each other on the beach, why? You see, like, you see that huge... Like, if I was one of them, I'd just be like, okay, let's turn right and just let the waves crash down on them. Unless it's supposed to be when he split the waves, which they didn't fight during that time, so it's just making shit up nowadays. Ridiculous. Well, I have no interest in that. No, it I looks I mean, not terrible. even in the slightest bit. <laughs> it looks terrible. 
Uh, I will predict. I'll predict um, oof, 42 on that. I'm going to go 38. 38, okay. Now, in limited release next week, we have Inherent Vice. So check check that if it's playing in your area. I think that doesn't come out till January something or other oof. wide. Mm, that's a bummer. Top five. Now, that may be getting a wide release. I'm not sure. That's I hope the so. Chris Rock one. Did you see the number of people in that movie? I'm I'm excited. It's ridiculous, man. I'm so excited for that movie just to see all of those comedians together in one movie, written by Chris Rock, no less. It it looks very exciting. I'm yeah. very and, excited. And, and, I mean, I'm, I've seen the trailer. That that trailer's been playing before a lot of movies that I've been going to recently. So I've seen the trailer a number of times. Every single time makes me laugh. Cedric <laughs> the Entertainer still get you. I don't understand why he's not that funny in other movies. Because Chris Rock's not writing for him. I guess that's what it is. But, man. And I'm glad to see uh, Michael Che and uh, who's the new SNL cast member that's in that? Um, She's really, really funny. Leslie Jones. Oh, my God. There needs to be more Leslie Jones. More Leslie out. Jones in everything. And I found out today that she's going to be in the next Judd Apatow movie. Oh, my God. Yes. She is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, at any fantastic. rate, top five. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see that. Uh, R100 comes out in limited release. <laughs> Check that out if you want to see the Queen of Gobbling. <laughs> find out what that's all about. Uh, Free the Nipple, which is a documentary, and Little Feet, which I'm very excited for. I don't know if you saw a trailer for that. I didn't, but I did see, you know, what it's about. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that one. When you see the trailer for that, you'll you'll say to yourself, "Okay, that's an Adam movie." Oh, okay. Absolutely. Poverty shot, porn, huh? Shot in black and white. It's about three kids taking their goldfish to the ocean and. Uh, when you see the trailer, Sigaros does the trailer music. Oh, jeez. That's, so, that's all you. It's that's, an ad. Yeah, definitely. Adam Patterson written all over it. Yes, it does. Uh, next week on VOD, we have After the Fall. I can't remember that one. That's my favorite. After the Fall? You mean Winter? I, I don't know. What is this? After the Fall? Well, after the Fall, it's Winter. It's, oh, this is the West Bentley movie. Oh, yeah, with the terrible cover. Oh, this this <laughs> cover is just... It's the worst. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Oh, boy. Uh, the Captive, which I, I think it's interesting that went straight to VOD. Doesn't bode well for it. No, it doesn't. Uh, Free the Nipple and Little Feet. Little Feet's going to be on Vimeo on demand, so okay. check, check that out. I, I will definitely be watching that. I figured we'd probably review that next week. Okay, all right. Uh, next week on DVD and Blu-ray, we have Calvary. Check it. Check it out. I'd Definitely. say check it out. Yes. Yes. You like that not as much as me, though. Yes. Correct. Dead you Snow are. 2. Check that out for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dolphin Tale 2. I'd, I'd say skip that. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. though both those Dolphin Tale movies got good reviews. Oh, so. come on. Yeah. Who's going to shit on a dolphin? Well, me. Well, I yeah. I mean, not but... literally, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh boy Frank oh boy I, I keep forgetting about Frank I, I kind of forgot that that came out this year I know it, I, to be quite honest it feels like that movie came out like three years ago yeah uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 
That's a biggie. Oh, about time I finally watched this one. I'm excited for you to see it. I think you'll be I think you'll be pleased. And the strange so. the strange color of your body's tears. Oh yeah, get into that. Finally coming out. Get into that one. I believe that that'll wrap it up. I think there's a couple. <laughs> there's at least one criterion that I Dude, know there's about. three criterions, okay? Three of them. So, buckle up. Do it. First one we have is Terry Gilliam's Time Bandits. Oh. Coming out on the old Blu-ray. Yeah, that was out previously on DVD, yeah. right? Now it's on the Blu-ray. It's been years, years since I've Same seen here. that movie. It's about time I revisit this one. Uh, this one is probably one you're not going to revisit. Coming out on Blu-ray, The Night Porter. No. <laughs> not going to revisit that one. I'm not, it wasn't horrible. I didn't hate it, but eh. I just love the fact that you saw The Night Porter before I did. I think I wrote a Grindhouse Weekly on it. <laughs> you sure I? did. I remember talking about that bad yeah. boy. So that's in there. That's coming out on the old Blu-ray. And then an interesting one here is an early Todd Haynes movie from 1999, or 1995, sorry. It's called Safe with uh, Julian Moore, which is a very interesting movie that I've been wanting to see for quite some time. That sounds so familiar. This is the one where an affluent, unexceptional homemaker develops chemical sensitivity, multiple chemical sensitivity. Hmm. <laughs> uh, Dean Norris is in there too. Oh boy. He plays Mover, hmm. <laughs> which I'm sure is just like a small nothing of a role. <laughs> Probably. Uh, but check... I'm going to point it out anyways. I, I like how out of all the actors you pick out Dean Norris. One of the other ones. I don't know any of the other ones. Oh, okay. All right. I guess sure. I could say Xander Berkeley. <laughs> of course. Xander Berkeley's in there. All right. Well, I think that that will wrap it up for this week. Uh, make sure you check out our YouTube channel. We have the second episode of Film Pulse Plays Up where I sit down with Hudson Hawk and talk about that along with the video game versions for the Nintendo and the Game Boy, which are really bad. No. I mean, the games are worse than the movie. I think I say in the video that it's the movie's fun to watch on a so bad it's good level. The games are not fun at all. They're terrible, and they're a chore to get through. And I believe that that is it. Send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net. We'll be sure to answer them on the show. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie. And it's a post-apocalyptic, a lot post, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. post-apocalyptic tale.